Welcome back, everyone. Good evening, and uh, it's great to start again after Pesach. Baruch Hashem. Um, before we begin tonight's class, an important announcement: uh, we are having some really, really, really good um, classes, uh, new classes at Mayon, taking place now between Pesach and Shavuos. The classes are two new series, each one six classes, um, applicable to the time that we're in right now. We're in the time call of Sfirah Omer, the counting of the Omer, and we're also in the month of Iyar, which is, we're not in the month of Iyar, but already tomorrow night is already Rosh Chodesh. I want to wish everyone a, a good, 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 good new month with lots of uh, bracha and especially healing, which is connected to the month of Iyar, which is also connected to the series that we have right now with uh, Dr. Yehuda Frischman, who's giving a, 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 uh, a uh, series of classes on Sunday night uh, regarding to Jewish medicine, our healing tradition, a six-part course with practical application. Uh, last night was the first class, and I was here, and it was really, really, really enlightening, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I usually fall asleep listening to classes, and last night I didn't. It was very, very... That's why I give the class. The only reason I give the class is because I know I can't listen to classes. I have no choice but to give the class. In any case, last week's class, uh, uh, last night's class was the first one called Beyond Chicken Soup, an introduction to the principles of Jewish healing. You can listen to the class online. However, the class classes are far more powerful, especially since... Uh, Dr. Frischman also did some demonstration. So it is better to come join us. So you can join us next week, Sunday. For the second class, he's going to be talking about the power of the pulse. Really fascinating things about what you can know from a person's pulse and the like. And then all the other classes, I'm not going to read them all off. You can go to our website, uh, tap into our email. There are lots of really, really good classes um, regards to a fresh approach. And I really, really learned a lot last night. I really, it's very, very special. So again, these are Sunday nights. Um, every Sunday going on for the next few weeks, besides Lagba Omer on May 17th, it's going to be on Wednesday instead of on Sunday. All right, so that's on May 17th. But the next one is going to be April 30th, 8 p.m. Come and bring your friends. You will not regret being here. Whoever was here last night for one class... Um, decided to sign up for the whole course. So that was a very good sign. We had a lot of people who initially came in thinking they're coming to check it out for one class, and people signed up for all six. So that's very special. So again, Sunday evenings on healing, uh, it it, uh, is very special. Tomorrow night starts another series, Tuesday night. This is by my um, son-in-law, Rabbi Mendel Zirkin. And I'm a very proud father-in-law. He's a, a very, 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 very amazing, unbelievable scholar. Um, 
and uh, regards to classes, uh, there's really that I listen to a class in Hasidic learning that I, I don't feel I'm listening to something that I know already. You know, you listen to Hasidus, it's general. I, I'm, I'm, I've, Baruch Hashem, studied a lot of Hasidus and giving classes. So when I listen, it usually sounds very familiar. It's just in different words, this idea, that idea. But when I listen to him, it's totally revolutionary. Everything that I learned, and when it comes out of his, from his understanding, it's very, very powerful. Uh, he's going to speak on the idea of Sphiros Omer, applying the six Sphiros in our essential relationships. He's going to be talking about the the work during these six weeks as it applies to the inner work besides just counting, as it applies to the inner work that we all should do in improving our lives in a, a, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Tomorrow's class is on Chesed, even though we've already completed the sphere of Chesed. April 15th, tomorrow at 8 p.m. It's called Dangerous Love. Am I in a healthy relationship? That's tomorrow's class. Again, it's all about love, um, taking stock and figuring out if I'm in a healthy relationship. Um, the second one, which is going to be Tuesday, May 2nd on Gavura, is going to be do I accept my child for who, for who he or she is, or do we push for more? So that is the class, Be'ezra Sashem Gabi on Gavura. Uh, these are really, really important topics. I'm not going to read them all. But each one is essential to an understanding of and evaluating. This is a self-evaluation, a self-accounting, in which we're doing a serious accounting on oneself to see where we stand in our, in our relationships, in marriage, with our children, as parents, with ourselves. Really, really highly, highly, highly recommended. Everybody should be here tomorrow night, and so on, other Tuesday nights. Besides, the last one is going to take place on a Monday, the one right before Shuas. I felt the class was so important that I actually gave up the Monday class, so he can do that Monday class. So again, that's not now, that's going to be right before Shuas on Monday, May 29th. Okay, so again, tomorrow, every Tuesday, and these classes too will be available online, but again, it has so much more meaning when you're here and you can actually participate and ask your questions and the like. Okay. Um, that has been said. We will talk about, uh, let's just review the sponsors tonight. We have some great sponsors. Terry Levin sponsored tonight's class. Lezecha Nishmas, her father, whose yard site is tonight. Ruvain ben Yisrael HaLevi on the 29th of Nisan. May his neshama have an awesome aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots of brachas to you, Terry. Um, to bring you mazel bracha and only, only good, good health and wonderful good things to you. I'm sure he's looking out for you because of the kindness that you do for his neshama as you're dedicating always so joyfully, really do I find someone who responds so joyfully to the dedication. So Terry, may this be a big schus to you and a big schus for your father. Another dedication tonight was by my dear friend Yoram Cohen from Pro Body Auto Shop who always fixes my cars as much as I bang them up. Um, so Yoram dedicated tonight's class uh, in honor for just a merit for good health for him, uh, his family. It's picked, it fits with Chodesh Iyar, Erev Rosh Chodesh Iyar. May Hashem give him good health, complete refuah, good health, 
and mazal and bracha for the entire entire mishpacha and all that they need and all that they want. Uh, Yoram ben Chana. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of a lot of big brachas to you. Um, last but not least, the CD was sponsored, the Sheer and the CD this week, by Mrs. Esther Roth. And this is in honor of her husband Zalman's birthday coming up on the 5th of Chodesh Iyar. That's next week, Monday. Mi Hashem bench Zalman Roth with a Shnas Brachanatzlach, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful good year. Much, much, much goodness, much mazel, much bracha, and a lot, a lot of good for you and your family. And the family should have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of simchas this year, and only, only good things. Thanks for all these dedications. I also want to wish a happy birthday, birthday to Mrs. Rubin. Amen Hashem, bless you with a lot, a lot, with a good year. A wonderful, wonderful good year for you, your family, Tyre Bistamsky family, and all the other grandchildren for good things, for mazel, and only, only wonderful things. Yasha Koyach, thank you. Okay, that has been said. Let's begin tonight's class. Okay, so this week is a double portion, Pashas Tazriya Metzor, and it's, when you read it, get the feeling it's a little harsh. Because most of the Torah portions that we're reading, the two parshias, deal with saras, which is a type of infliction, a very painful affliction, a serious disease that came, that doesn't apply today, but it applied in the time of the Beis Amigdash, when Jews were living in the land of Israel, which a person could receive this affliction either on their body or on their clothing, their garments, or on their home. And uh, this was a form of punishment, a, a, a form of harsh rebuke coming from God, uh, upset at the person for doing certain sins. And, and the Torah tells us exactly what needs to be done in order for a person to get out of that. Sometimes these negayim could last a very long time. As we find, uh, it says, various different people that, uh, that lasted and never went away because of their lack of repentance. So this is a severe illness, which I think came along with a lot of pain. In addition to that, the person was, out, was an outcast. They kicked him out of the camp, out of the, Jew, out of the city. They couldn't live. They had to leave their family, their home, go live alone in isolation. They were sequestered. Don't allow to talk to anybody, or if they spoke to anybody, they had to notify them. I'm Tame. It's horrible. It really, really is horrible. So it's not such a joyful parsha. Besides, at the beginning, it talks about birth, but the rest of it seems to be very harsh. However, every pasuk in the Torah is oozing with the love of God to the Jewish people. And especially during this, the time of Sphira Omer. Uh, in which we're supposed to work on our love. We emphasize, this is the time of the year we think the most about Rabbi Akiva. Students passed away, think about Rabbi Akiva and his teachings. And we're going to have next week in the Torah portion, love your fellow like you love yourself. And Rabbi Akiva says, this is a great principle in the Torah. He doesn't say, mitzvah gedola. he doesn't say it's a big mitzvah. He doesn't say, gigantic mitzvah. Right? Uh, mitzvah gedola ma'od. Right? A very, uh, very, 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 very big mitzvah. He doesn't say it. Klal gadol. This is a great principle in the Torah. Which the Lubavitcher Rebbe says an amazing thing. What that means is, it's a principle in the Torah. means that every word of the Torah needs to be understood as avas Yisrael, as love of a fellow Jew. If you're learning something in the Torah, and you don't see God's love to the Jewish people in that pasuk, you should know you don't know the pshat. 
Because every pshat, every pasuk, even what seems to be harsh, is really full of love. That's why the Hasidic approach to every... Remember when we, when we learn about the rebuke in Parshas Bichu Kaisai? Talks about the har- horrors that God is going to punish Israel if they don't they misbehave. Or in Parshas Kisavo, it makes our hair stand up. Gewald, it seems that God is in a rage and anger. He says such terrible things are going to happen. So the Hasidic masters teach us all across the board all the students of the Baal Shem Tov, how they really disguise the blessings. And inside them is full of brachas and the like. You'll find that in the Kedusha Slevi from Levi Yitzhak and the other Svarim all across, the Altar Rebbe, Shneir Zalman of Liadi, full of these teachings. Because the Torah is Hashem's love to the Jewish people. So, when one reads this parsha, and generally people don't like to see themselves as because it says actually in regards to Nagaim it says, Adam Roa, a person doesn't see Kalan Adam Roa, a person sees all kinds of person, a Kohen, for instance, who's supposed to inspect the infliction and take a look if the person is defiled, contaminated or not, if it qualifies to be considered a a tsaras. Um, so it says the Mishnah it says that, that a Kohen can inspect everyone besides his own. Adam Roa he has to go to another Kohen. And the the deeper interpretation of that is that a person always can see fault in others and they don't see fault in themselves. So when we learn these parashios, we write away and we hear it's for this sin or that sin. Ah, it means this person, it means that person. In our minds, we become judgmental and we start thinking about the wickedness of people and that some people deserve to have a nega and so on and so forth. It's so important that we recognize that really, really the underlying flow is just pure love as we're going to see in our discussion today. As even in the midst of the nega, we will find the love, not only we will find the love, we'll see particularly how strong the love of God is emphasized in this part. So here is a, a, a little bit of a Talmudic discussion before we get into the, um, the uh, inner meaning of this. Okay? There is a Mishnah in Mesechtes Nagoyim, which is, there's an entire tractate in Shas, um, that deals with nega. So here it says like this in Pere Gimel Mishnah Beis. That's the chapter 3, the second Mishnah. Chasen Shanira by nega. A groom, a chasen. Someone is getting, chasen means once they got married, not when they get engaged. They got married. And uh, it's during the Sheva Brachas. You have seven days of celebration. So someone who got married, chasen, and he finds a nega. He finds a white blotch of skin. Um, on himself, or he finds a white blotch in something of his house, or whatever. Usually, as a person, as soon as a person discovers such a discoloring on his skin, he's supposed to notify immediately the inspector, the nega inspector, who's the kohen, to come look and to judge to see if it's inspected. But over here, we say no, 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 no. We give him seven days, as long till the shavu brachas is over, till the week is complete. Whichever, whatever, whenever it appears. Okay? We don't inspect the nega until it's over. Loi, to him himself, if he, have his, if he has it on his body, will obey so, or if it appeared in his house, in which, again, the, the house could be defiled and whatever, we don't, the Kohen doesn't come till the week of Shavu Brachas is over. Uluksusai, or his garment. Okay? Vechain, and another case. That's applying to a chasen, okay? A groom. I would imagine it applies to a kala as well, because nega is applicable to men and to women, like you see by Miriam. 
the Pasuk says it by a chasen, but the Mishnah I'm seeing. But I'm sure it would apply to a bride as well. And then it says, V'chein, and so too, Beregel, on Yom Tif. If someone found a nega appearing on their body during Yom Tif, during Pesach, or during Sukkot, or the like, we do not call the Kohen on Yom Tif. We wait till the holiday is over, and only then the Kohen comes to expect it. Noisim le'kol yamoisa regel, they, are, uh, they don't have to deal with it until the regel, the yomtiv, is over, and then we call the Kohen to inspect and to decide what the situation is. This is a Mishnah. Now, the Gemara, there's no Gemara in Masechtis Nagayim. Masechtis Nagayim is one of those Masechtis that only has Mishnah, no Gemara. However, in Masechtis Moed Katan, over there in page Tav Zayin, Ahmed Beis, page 7, second side, the Gemara deals with the source. How do we know this halacha? What's the source for this rule? Of where do we know that, uh, from where do we know that a nega is, um, that, a, that, that, a, that a chasin and during yontif we do not examine a nega? How do you know that? So the Gemara brings it from Vahatanya. The Gemara brings it from a. The Gemara has a brisa. Now, a brisa and a Mishnah are similar. Okay, it's just a normal idea. So the Gemara brings a Mishnah. What is it? I'm sorry. What is it in the brisa? It says like this: It's a pasuk over here in Parshas Tazria, our Parsha Vayikra, Yud Gimel, chapter thirteen, verse fourteen, pasuk Yudalit. It says like this. On the day it will be seen healthy flesh, yitma the person will become tame. Because we know one of the rules, which we're not going to discuss tonight, that if the nega, the tsaras, the discoloring, that white blotch, spreads over the entire body, and the person is completely covered in a nega, then he, the person is not tame. They are considered deemed ritually pure, even though it doesn't make any sense. You'd think like this is like a sign of the worst condition of the disease. No. That's why the Torah always leaves us pondering. Always a mystery. That's what it says. A full-blown a full blown nega, you're okay. But what happens if the nega shrinks and suddenly there is, you see on the body, a little bit clean, healthy flesh, then the person is deemed defiled, tummy. Okay? But the Pasuk uses the words, ubiyom, and on the day... Now, the question is, what's the, the Gemara says, the word ubayom is superfluous. It could have said, um, it could have said, boy, and when it will see. What's the emphasis on the day? Day is not important. Whenever it will be seen, boy, and when it will be seen in him, healthy flesh, he will be defiled. What does it say on the day that it will be seen? So the Gemara learns out from here, on the day, so this teaches us like this, Yashyom boy, the Yashyom boy. There is a day that you can examine the nega, and there are days that you don't inspect the nega. There are days that the Kohen, there are days that are inspection free. Okay, you don't inspect the nega, because it says, on the day that it could be seen. 
Implying that not every day could be seen. It has to come a calendar day, which it is it is it could be seen, and then it will be the person. Mikan Omru. From here we see that a chasen, when we said before, a chasen, a groom, that, 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 it's, that it occurs to him a nega, a white blotch, you give him his sheva brachis for him, for his house, and for his thing. And so on the regal, we said before on Yamtiv, on the pilgrimage holiday, whatever, on the Yamtiv, Shivas Regal, we give him the seven days. Divrei Rebbe Yehuda. That's what Rebbe Yehuda says. So again, it is derived. From this pasuk, if you look at our Rashi, Rashi and our Chumash, on this pasuk, Rashi brings this teaching that when it says to teach you that you only judge and examine anega on certain days, and on certain days you don't do so. Which ones? Achasin and on Yantiv, you don't, you don't, you don't condemn the nega. You don't even come inspect it. Fine. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe argues. Rebbe argues, again, that's the opinion of Rebbe Yehuda. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, I don't need that pasuk ubayom. I don't need that, that verse. Einet sarach, we don't need that. Because we learn it from elsewhere. Hareyu Omer, it says in the pasuk, V'tziva ha-koyen upinu es The Kohen commands, you should clear the house. What is this talking about? This is not a pasuk in Parshas Tazriah. This is a verse in Parshas Mitzorah, the second portion we read this week in Parshas Mitzorah. So when we go over here, there it's talking about the laws of, of a, a tzaras that comes on a home, on the house, on the walls of the house. So it says over there as follows. If the Kohen is called, the Kohen comes to see the house. V'tziva ha-Kohen, the Kohen should command. Ufinu es what happens is when, they, when the Kohen comes to the house, before he even comes looks at the home, which is suspected that it has a nega, that it has a tzaras. By the way, I'm using the word nega tzaras interspersely. They mean the same thing. Okay? It means this affliction. Okay? So the, the person comes, v'tziva ha-Kohen opinu The Kohen commands, the first thing they should do is call in the moving company and empty out the house. Everything should go out of the house. Remove the furniture, remove whatever, whatever is there. Why? Before the Kohen comes to see it. Because it should not become tame, defiled, everything that's in the house. And after that, then the Kohen should see the house. Why? Because once, because he's, let's understand the law. The law is that when a house is tame, not only is the house tame, everything that's in it is tame. A tame house is metame, brings tumma to everything. Now we don't want that the furniture or the stuff that are in the house should become the utensils in the house should become tummy. Now the tumma does not begin when the nega first came. The tumma starts, the defilement begins when the Kohen says tummy. Or actually by a house, when the Kohen doesn't, it's not, it's not merely enough for him to say it. He has to actually walk, look, inspect the house, say tummy, and go outside and lock the house. When he locks the house shut, the hisgiro, when he locks, that's when the defilement comes down and the house becomes tummy. So in order to prevent this person's utensils and all the stuff in his house from becoming tummy, so the Torah says the Kohen should command, the Kohen should instruct, everything should be taken out of the house before he does the inspection. Okay? So the Gemara actually, the Mishnah, it's not, it's not, it's not a Gemara, it's a Mishnah, it's a Mishnah, 
where the, the, the Mishnah brings Remeir says an interesting thing. What is the Torah so worried about if they become defiled? You see, the Tumah of something that's in the house of a, of a, of a, of a Taras, the house might, might need to be knocked out. Okay, we do certain procedures to see. We first close the house. If it doesn't, first you shut the house down for a week. Then you have to, I think, cut out the, the, those stones. And if that doesn't help, then you demolish the whole house. That's possible. The whole house will have to be demolished. But the stuff that are in the house that become defiled, that defilement is possible for it to go away. How? You take, if you have furniture, if you have something, you can, you can, you can dip it in a mikvah. And you dip it in the mikvah, the mikvah takes away the tumah. So if there are, dish, there are dishes there, there are forks and knives, whatever utensils, you will take it. Silverware, whatever it is, you will dip it in the mikvah. It will go away. The tumah will go away. So the Gemara says, so what's so bad if it will become tummy? Worst to worst. And the Gemara how about food? Food will become tummy. You can't, you can't dip food in a mikvah and make it tahar. So the Gemara says, okay, so you'll eat the food. There's no, there's no prohibition against eating tummy food. This type of tumah. Of course, there is certain tumah that we're careful with. Let's say for the, the, the defilement that we have in our hands uh, before we wash our hands, negavas in the morning, if we touch food, we're supposed to throw the food away. You're not supposed to eat food that was touched before you washed your hands at tilas yadayim in the morning. That's a different kind of a tumah. But the tumah that we're talking about here, there's no prohibition against eating tummy food. Unless you're a kohen and you're eating... Uh, sacred things, so you can't eat it together or whatever, things like that. But generally, there's no. Pr- so the Gemara is saying, so big deal. So you'll eat the food in a time when you're tame, anyways, or any. There's no, there's no worry. So eat the food. So not the food, not the utensils, furniture also. You'll dip them in the mikvah. No problem. So what are we worried about? It must be something that is not dippable in a mikvah, something that is not purifiable. Now, the only type of vessel that is not purifiable is earthenware, kli cheres. Kalim that are made out of earth, clay, whatever, exactly, clay, earthen, earthenware. Now usually, but these stuff are very cheap. They had bowls, they had plates, they had these earthenware. Today when they find the excavations, you find sometimes they had these jugs, pitchers, earthenware type of stuff. These things are the cheapest type of, like plastic cups today. Basically, almost like that. I mean, they weren't so disposable, obviously, because people kept them, but it wasn't, we're not dealing over here with anything major. So the Rameyer says, take a look. The Torah cares so much. Take a look on what God cares. Hashem cares so much on the little vessels, on these cheap, on these cheap utensils. And Hashem doesn't, because those, if they become tame, you have to break them. Goodbye, you can't use them anymore. Because they, they're not, again, they do not become tahar in a mikvah. Mikvah doesn't work for them. So that's what the Torah is worried about. So you see from here how much the Abishta cares for a person not to have a loss. Shem doesn't want a, a financial loss. And it's not talking about a big financial loss, a small financial loss. Yet the Torah is very... So Rebbe says... Oh. So Rebbe now comes along and he says, so if that's the case that you find, that God is so cautious, the Torah is so cautious, and does not want that chas v'shalom harm, extra harm should be given to this person. That these unnecessary utensils that don't have to become tummy, shouldn't become, that's why we tell the Kohen to wait. The Kohen is here to inspect the house. And again, usually we're not supposed to wait. As soon as you get a nega, you're supposed to call the, you're supposed to call the inspector. However, what happens if it will take him a couple of hours till he'll have uh, you know, people to help him, boxes, to move all this stuff out? We wait. 
So you see that what that we delay the 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 inspection because of what for the private property of this person not to become tummy. It shouldn't get ruined. So for the benefit to save the financial loss of this person's private property, we're not dealing with any mitzvah stuff. We're dealing with you know pots and pans. Uh, whatever, uh, 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 the, the, these little utensils, these earthenware. So Rebbe says, if that's the case, so we can derive from there that the for sure, that for a mitzvah, which is a chasen, uh, when, a, when a person gets married, it's a mitzvah to get married. So for him to be able to complete his mitzvah, which is the seven days of, shel- of celebration, Sheva Brachas, of course, we're going to delay for those seven days. Or for Yom Tif, for the person to be able to observe the yantif happily. Why? It's a mitzvah to be happy on yantif. If you find out that you have a nega and that you're going to be cast out of the machna and you're going to have to complete your yantif in isolation, there's no big simchas yantif. That's, that's not a joyful thing. So Rebbe says like this, I don't need an extra word to learn it out from the word from that extra word. It's unnecessary. Because we would know this halacha from common sense. How do we would know it from common sense? If in order to protect the person's private property, it has nothing to do with a mitzvah, we're so cautious and we delay the examination, of course we should delay the examination for a mitzvah, which is for the marriage to be completed and for the yomtiv to be completed. Okay, so now to summarize, we have two opinions of where do we know the same halacha? Which halacha? The halacha is that we hold back from examining the chassan's property or his body, the groom or the bride, and also yamtiv. We delay it until the end of their celebration. How do we know that? Again, two opinions from where we know it. Either from a direct verse, or like Rabbi Yehuda says, we learn it out from a pasuk, Ubayom in the day, implying our days yeah and our days no, or we learn it out from common sense. If we find later that for to save a person's property, we will delay the examination, for sure for a mitzvah, we will delay the examination. Fine. So really, however, when we examine this deeper, there is, you can say, that the difference from where we derive it from is really a fundamental difference. It's a complete different halacha. It's not the same halacha, do you learn it from here, do you learn it from here? It's a fundamental difference between the two. What's the fundamental difference? And that is as follows. If it is derived from um, the law of, of delaying the inspection of the house because you want to save the person's earthenware vessels, then the law that we don't inspect a chasen, if we don't inspect a chasen or a kala or, a, or during yamta, we don't go inspect them, it's a matter of postponement. All we are doing is postponing. Postponement means we don't want to look at it today because, because uh, you, know, you don't want to ruin the guys, you don't want to rain on the person's parade. It's his special day. It's a yamtiv. It's a mitzvah, whatever. We don't want to ruin it for them. So we're going to postpone it. Postponement means that essentially, today is a day that is qualified for, for defilement for this person to become defiled, for the inspection. 
It's only out of, out of, out of, out of um, compassion and out of caring, we'll say, you know what, let's wait. What happens if the Kohen, however, didn't for whatever reason? The Kohen is in a big rush, he can't come back tomorrow. And he doesn't listen to this postponement. And the Kohen will come and look at it anyways. But he looked, he saw, he saw, and he pronounced Tame, he pronounced Tame, he pronounced it Tame. Tame is Tame. Because what he did, he did. He wasn't supposed to, but if he did it, he did it. Because it's a matter just of postponement. How do you know it's... Because again, let's go back to the story in the house. When the guys, when the person didn't empty out his house, does that mean that the house is not qualified now to become Tame? It's exempt in essence? No. It's just that we tell out of, out of simple menschlichkeit, out of simple... Um, um, uh, what, what is the word for that? Uh, um, no, I'm looking for... Uh, when you, oh, there's a word I'm looking for, um, huh? Not decency. I'm looking for. Okay, no. Okay, I'm not. The word is not coming. It's 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 sitting right over here. Out of simple starts with a C. Out of simple um, courtesy. Out of simple courtesy, we we wait. Let's wait a little bit. So it's, it's simple, what, what this means is it's just a postponement of, 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 of not essentially, it's not lookable at the house. If, however, there is a pasuk that says, there is a day that you can look at Negayim, and a day that you don't look at a nega, what does that mean? There is a day, it means that this is a time in which the whole idea of looking at a nega doesn't apply. Yomtif, there is no nega. Look, it's not a postponement of something that could be done now and we push it off for later. Nega inspection does not apply today. It doesn't work today. It's not, it's a, it, the day is not a day to look at nega. It's a whole different story. It's a much deeper exemption because it's not a postponement. It's essentially not a day for looking at a nega. And that's the difference between the two. If it's derived, if the question again, let's go back to the chasen. The chasen and the person on his holiday, when they are exempt and they don't get, they don't get inspected, there are two possible explanations for their exemption and not, and not, again, by the story of the house being, there it's for sure a delay or a postponement. That's all that it is. The house is full of furniture, courtesy. Let's push it off for later. By a chasen, that's the, by a chasen, by a bride and a groom, here is the question. Why are we delaying it? Are we del- is it just a postponement because we learn it out from there, just like over there we postpone, over here we postpone as well. Or does it mean that the day itself is a day in which the whole halacha doesn't apply? And it's even possible that we can go so far and we can say, again, this is not a for sure, but it's even possible based on this idea that it's possible that if the Kohen will violate and he will come see the nega during Yontif, and he will say the nega is Tameh, the Tumah does not take effect. Because the whole inspect, just like anybody who's not a Kohen can't look at it, because you have to be qualified to look, and only a Kohen can look, so too if the Kohen looks at it on a day, in which the day is not a day for looking at nega, the, his pronunciation is nothing. However, if it's only a postponement, okay, it's courtesy. But if he didn't, and he looked at it anyways, farfallen, he did it. Tommy, the, 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 the halacha of nega does apply. It just got postponed. 
So that comes out the difference between these two opinions. It's a very fundamental difference. Whether we learn it from here, we learn from here, it's not just, you know, it, 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 it's a complete different understanding of how, how it is exempt. Now we're going to see that these two things, these two approaches from Rebbe and Rebbe Yehuda, a whole different approach of why a chassan is exempt, are really, really, really dependent on something very, very fundamental about how special the Jewish people are. Okay, it's based on a deep... In other words, this difference, if whether it's an, the, a day itself is exempt from seeing a nega, or whether we're only postponing, which means like we're, like we're avoiding from contaminating it, just like we're doing it by the furniture, is really based on something deeper. What's the idea? And the idea is as follows. You see, by Negaim, I want to read to you a Rambam. As I mentioned at the beginning of the class, a nega is a harsh situation. God is bringing a punishment on a person. Rambam tells us over here that Negoim was an intervention done by God Himself, that Hashem is doing something that's actually a miracle thing, it's not a natural thing. It's a wondrous, miraculous thing, the Rambam says, and God is doing it to alert a person that he's on a wrong path and he needs to fix his act. Ramam says this is in the last halacha of the laws of Tzaras, Perek Tazayan. Um, the change that happens in clothing, and in homes. That the Torah refers to it as a Tzaras, with a common name. This is not something of the regular occurrences of the world. This is a sign, this is a wonder, by the Jewish people, in order to alert a person to be careful from gossip, speaking bad about others. And Rambam says it comes, we mentioned this Rambam, this Maimonides in various different classes before in this parsha. That if someone speaks Lashon Hara, what happens, the first thing is his homes change. First Hashem starts at a distance. He sees a, a, a discoloring in the walls of his house. If he does tshuva, immediately he gets the message and fixes up his act, his house will become clean. If he remains in his sinfulness, if he stays in his wickedness, until they have to knock down the house, the next thing is he'll start seeing on his leather, leather utensils, on his couch, Suddenly a discoloring on his, on his couch. He moved already. He had to move into a different apartment. Suddenly the nega that was in the wall shows up on his furniture. Oh, because leather can also become tummy. If he gets the message and he, and he does tshuva and this, fine. Because now he's already sitting on the couch and it's got this nega. He doesn't have to look at it on the wall. Then if he gets the message, fine. If not, yataru um, and istat. The next thing is it will actually come a little closer. It will show up on his clothing. It's not on his couch anymore. On his... It's on his, on his clothing. And if he gets the message, fine, he does tshuva, he'll be healed. If not, he'll finally get it in his, on his body. And then when he gets it on his body, he's going to have to be separated and segregated from everybody else so that he should not, this is an order to teach him, so he should not, since his social, his social interactions were not kosher, he spoke Lashon Hara, he spoke the conversations of the wicked, Rambam calls it Sichas Rishayim, the conversations of the, of the wicked. So let him sit alone until he will do tshuva and he will learn how to speak like the like, like Jewish, Jewish speak, speech, as the Rambam says, which is the way a Jew should speak, which is a good uh, 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 words that are positive, not negative. 
That's Maimonides' teaching. So clearly that Negoyim is an intervention of it. You can read this as what? As God getting angry and teaching this guy a lesson. But the truth is, you'll look into the book Sefer HaChinuch. He, the, the Raman doesn't state, state this openly, but the Chinuch adds just two, three words. He says this is the tremendous kindness of God. This is the Ebersh, this Chastoyah Gadol that Hashem is doing. Because just like a person loves his child, and a person is rebuking and cleaning his child, so too God is getting involved now and cleaning this person. Because listen, if the guy chose a bad path, let him continue, let him do what he's doing, and then I'll have to pay for it. One day, after 120, his nesham is going to be taken up there. He's going to give a reckoning and accounting for everything, and he's going to have his day in court. He's going to have his day of punishment. But God does not want him to come to that. Hashem wants him to live his life in a, in a positive way. So Hashem starts meddling. And here's the chinuch, and what's, and what's the great kindness? What's the great love? The great love is that we know how much God is reluctant of meddling with nature. Hashem set up the world in a certain way. Everything follows a natural path. And Hashem really, really, really dislikes making miracles. It's very, very difficult. It's like we, have to, we need a miracle. We have to twist Hashem's hand, kiviyachal, so to speak, to get a miracle. Because Hashem does not like to meddle with, with nature only when there's no choice. And here, Hashem is changing. But for who? For who is Hashem changing nature? For someone who's a sinner. Not for a tzaddik. Usually we find that Hashem does miracles for a tzaddik. Rabbi Hanina ben Daisi. You know, he only had, he, he, didn't have any, <coughs> he didn't have any oil, so he, he had only, only vinegar. So he said, whoever said the, the oil should burn, said the vinegar should burn. Okay, so for him, for a tzaddik. Who is Hashem changing? Hashem is changing the laws of nature. Oist, Ramam says, Pele, it's a wonder. Does it make any sense that a house will suddenly get a change of color? It's a total miraculous thing. So how does this happen? Why? Why does Hashem do this? Because He loves who? The wicked person. How wicked? It's someone who didn't learn his lesson. After his house got... After his couch got the, the nega. After his clothing, his pants got the nega. He still didn't learn it. But was the guy crazy or something? You're not realizing how that nega is closing in on you? No, no, he's still not realizing it. He's so stubborn in his wickedness. Until for that person, God will make a nega... In order, not as a punishment, as an alert, as a kindness, that Hashem is saying, hey, excuse me, do you get my sign? I'm giving you a message. Please clean up your act now. So that means the Eibishter out of his kindness. Here's where you're rooted in the love that Hashem has. For who? For a wicked person? Even for a Russia. It is for that reason, it is for that reason that Dafka by Negoim, we find this gentleness, the because again, you can learn Parshas Negoyim and think this is coming from Gevura, from Hashem's wrath, from Hashem's anger. Similar to Pharaoh who got Negoyim, got a nega. God gave, Hashem brought upon Paro, it says, Negoyim Gedoyim, big, big afflictions when he, when he messed with Sarah. So you would think this is the idea of a nega. God is angry and he's bringing a nega. No, 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 no. From the idea that it's coming so gentle, what's the gentleness? From this that you see such an act of kindness, that Hashem is concerned not to, not to ruin a person's party. It's he's a chasen. He's a, it's yomtiv now. It's a time of joy. But even aside from that, what did we say? God does not want the pots, the little, the little jugs, the little earthenware to become, to become disqualified, to throw them out. So the Abishta says, let's wait. 
Let's wait and delay until the, the proper time. Here's where you see, from the fact, from this halacha, you can detect the love, the kindness that's underlying it all. And Remeir, I want to read to you the Lashon of the Mishnah. The Lashon of the Mishnah is showing you, because Remeir says, let me read these words. Uh, it can't be, he says, on, the, on his wood, on his clothing, and on his metal stuff, because those he can, he can toivel in the mikvah, I said earlier. It can't be on his cheres, kli cheres, on his, uh, uh, no, sorry, on what, on what does he care? On his kli cheres, on his earthenware. Al pachoy, pachoy is a little jug, al tifyoy, tifyoy is some other kind, and, and on these small little marishkeit. So now, listen, hear the words of Remeir. If the Torah has so much compassion on his non-important money, meaning his 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 possessions that are that he that he himself doesn't cherish them, they're they're unimportant. How much more does God care on his precious money? I mean, how much does God care about my jewelry? As a woman must think. How much does God care about my earrings? Does God care about my earrings? Or does Hashem not care about my earrings? Does Hashem care about my necklace? Or not care about Does Hashem... Well, well hold it. If the Ebeshtik cares, Rameir says, even on your plastic cups, because they belong to a Jew, how much more so do the Ebeshtik cares about valuables, things that are really valuable? And now let's take it further. In kachal if the Ebrister cares about my money, how much more does God care about my children? Does Hashem care about my, my family? So he said, Hashem cares about the, 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 the earthenware. How much more so on the valuables? How much more so on who? On, 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 on family members. If God cares so much on a wicked person, how do you know he's a wicked person? Because he got a nega. This is only people who speak Russian horror and stuff like that. They got a nega. If the Abishta cares even on the Russia, how much more so on the tzaddik? These are the words of Rameir in the Mishnah. So in Negoyim, you see God's infinite kindness, compassion, the care that he cares. To add to that a little more, the Orachayim HaKadosh, the Orachayim HaKadosh on, on, the, on the Pasuk about clearing out the house, the Pasuk says the Kohen should instruct, they should clear the house, the Lo Yitzmu should not become Tame, Kol Asher Babayis. Everything in the house should not become Tame. So the Orachayim says, what is the Pasuk emphasizing? Should not become Tame everything that's in the, in the, in the, in the house. What's the emphasis? So he says, the Pasuk is really trying to explain an amazing thing. How come the Torah told you to clean the house before the Kohen even comes in? We said, again, it doesn't become Tomei until the Kohen locks the, locks the house. So the Urachim asks a simple question. Why does the Kohen have to tell them to empty out the house before he even walks into the house? Why can they let the Kohen come? The Kohen will come in. Because really you can say it's a shtickle schlep. You don't even know. It might all be okay. Imagine you take everything out of your house. It's like you're cleaning for termites or whatever. You know, you got to clean. <laughs> whatever they, or, or you have to clean, take everything out. 
It's a, it's a schlep. So let's wait till the Kohen will come. The Kohen will look. The Kohen says, you know what? Don't, it doesn't look good. Then you'll take it out. Why do you take everything out to begin with? So the Arachim says something really unbelievable. He says like this. Especially since it doesn't become Tomei until the Kohen will actually say Tomei and lock the house. So he says a very, very, something really, really geschmack. Something so beautiful, something so special that emphasizes what we're talking about in such a deep way. He says, if you let the Kohen in and inspect the house and the Kohen will say Tomei, then you're not supposed to delay so much. So the cleaning of the house is going to be done. Yolano, he can wait a few, a while, an hour or so. But you're going to be doing it in a rush. Since you're going to clean your house out in a rush, you're going to, die, you're going to forget the little things. It's not that you're allowed, you have enough time. As long as you need the coin, is allowed to wait. But because the guy is in a haste, because he knows the house is Tomei, it's supposed to become Tomei any minute, the coin is going to pronounce. So he's going to like Lot. It says by Lot, he wanted to take his possessions that night. He couldn't make up what he's taking. In the end, he couldn't take anything. Because he couldn't decide, I'm taking this, I'm taking this. The Malachim were telling him to leave. So the same thing the Rechaim HaKadosh says, people are going to rush. So even though he's going to take everything out, he's going to forget the earthenware. Like Yaakov Avinu, when he went to the other side, he forgot the small little unimportant things. Same thing. So the Torah doesn't want that to happen. So the Kohen says, no, I'm not coming to inspect until you clean the whole house out. Then you have enough time. So you go, you clean, you clean, you clean, you pack everything out. Then the coin will come. That's what the Pasuk is saying. The Tziva coin before he comes to the house. Why? The word is everything that's in the house, even the things. So what's the emphasis? What's the Gavaldic? The unbelievable thing over here is like this. How much does God care about your money? More than you care about it. Much more. Because we're talking about items that the per- because of their insignificance, the person will forget them. Yet the Abishter says, I don't forget them. So sometimes we, we, we experience some financial losses. Sometimes we feel difficulties. And we think, does God, God dumped me? Does Hashem really care about me? And you realize, take a look, someone who's a Russia, he's a wicked person. He's holding, God, God went out of his way to make him a nega. And yet, what is the Abish caring about this person, about the little earthenware not to hurt this person? So this shows you tremendous chesed, kindness. The underlying power of negayim is really all coming from kindness. Because that's what the nega is to begin with. It's not an act of God's wrath. It's an act of God's love. And because it's an act of God's love, the, gloves comes out, the love comes out. Yes, Hashem, has, Hashem is acting in tough love. He's rebuking us. He's disciplining us. But even then, the gentleness of it, that it shouldn't hurt more than it needs to hurt, even one tiny little iota. Unbelievable. But here is going to come out the big difference between whether the, we learn out this halacha, that a chasim, we delay till the end of the chasim, we, we, we delay till these seven days, whether we learn it out from a special pasuk. And then it means that what? That the entire day is exempt from Tumah, there's no, there's no observing of it. Or we learn it out from the halacha of the person, whether we learn it out from the halacha of delaying the inspection of the house so that the guy can take out his earthenware vessels. What's going to be the difference? You see, these two laws, 
of chasen waiting till the end of his chasana, the end of the Sheva brachas, and or waiting till the end of Yom Tif. And the law of being patient and the Kohen waiting until the man empties his house emphasize two different qualities in the Jewish people that makes a Jew so special. Each one is a different quality. And qualities that never go away even if the person makes bad choices. Qualities that never leave which is the root for God's love. So what is that? What's the difference? You see, in the, in the case where we're dealing with, in the case where we're dealing with protecting the person's property, there is no mitzvah involved. This guy has these earthenware. He doesn't use them for a mitzvah. These are not his Pesach dishes or something. This is his, this is his uh, you know, he doesn't use it for Shabbos, because Shabbos you should use nicer than earthenware. What does he use it for? This is his, his, his bowl that he eats cereal in, in the morning. Okay, his cereal is cornflakes. He eats his cornflakes in this, or his farina, whatever it is. He's eating over here. These are his dishes that he makes his own. There's nothing over here Holy and godly. This is the plain possessions of a person. God cares, even though there's no mitzvah involved. Why? Because it's a Jew's possession. And the Ebershter loves a Jew like a one and only child. So if you know, I'm loving a person like my one and only child, I care so much. And I care even about the smallest details. I don't want chas v'shalom, any harm. So this is emphasizing the Eberster's love for a Jew because he's a Jew. Because over here there's no holiness, there's no godliness involved. It's a plain protecting and, 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 and being cautious with a Jew's property. As we said earlier, to the tiniest minute detail, again, even things that the person himself would have forgotten, yet God is so meticulous because he loves the Jew and, and, and what? And a sinner, even though he's a sinner, he's still a Jew. We all know the famous statement the Chamar says in Masechtas and Hedron, Yisrael afal pishachato Yisraelu. The quality of Jew cannot go away when you sin. So even this person who's a sinner, he's still a Jew, and the quality doesn't. And 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 therefore the 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 uh, Hashem is cautious with him. However, the other case where we're waiting for a chasen and we're not. And we're not pronouncing the chasen tameh till after the sheva brachas. The Gemara emphasizes that's because it's a mitzvah, a yamtiv because it's a mitzvah. That emphasizes another quality, which to a certain degree is even a bigger chiddush, even a bigger novelty of how much God loves Israel and loves the Jewish people. Not so much that Hashem loves a Jew because he's a Jew. But how holy is the mitzvah of a Jew, even if the Jew is a sinner? It's one thing to say that you're a yid, and Hashem loves a Jew no matter what. The question is, while I am sinning, and I know I'm sinning, I know I have issues in my life that I have not dealt with, and I know I make mistakes, or I know I've done so and so, and I'm not ready to do tshuva yet, I didn't do tshuva yet. Sometimes the Yitzhahara comes to us and tells us that my mitzvah is not worth anything. How can my mitzvah have any holiness and any godliness if I'm a rebel? If I rebel against the Abishter? Is there kedusha to a person's mitzvah? Now, so you can, so what, so 
Is there Kedusha to a person's mitzvah even though they're a sinner? From here you see, why are we not destroying the, why are we not uh, inspecting the chasen? Because he's holding a middle of a mitzvah. Getting married is a mitzvah. But who, who got married? Someone who's obviously such a lush and horror guy that what? That he, he gets a tzaras even during his sheva brachas. I mean, the God didn't wait. God gave him the tzaras even during his sheva. But let's, let's, let's go back. When does a person get a tzaras on his body? Only after he first got it on his clothing, after he first got it on his couch, and after he first got it on his house. That's what Rambam says, is a whole, whole thing. That means this person is a wicked person who held on to his wickedness for such a long time. Yet, what is he doing right now? He went and he did a mitzvah. That mitzvah is powerful enough. And hear this. Here we say, it's powerful enough not just to postpone the inspection. Because you don't, it's not postponing. What did we say earlier? That to, to make that this whole week is nega free. The tzaras cannot be called the tzaras. Even if we inspect it and we call it tameh, the tameh doesn't work. Why? Because the holiness of the mitzvah of this Jew is so strong that it's, that it's negating the tzaras. The tzaras cannot come down because of his mitzvah. From who? From a sinner. So, what's so what, what is so great about it? I just want to explain what's so great about it. You see, being a Jew in essence is a quality that has nothing to do with your choices. It's not a revealed thing. It's an essential thing. Since, you're not the, since a Jew doesn't become a Jew based on his actions, he can't destroy it with his actions. So the fact that a Jew is precious to God even when he sins is something to celebrate, but we can understand that. But here there's something else. Holiness of the mitzvah has to do already with an expressed relationship with God. What does mitzvah mean? Mitzvah means attachment, commandment, which as we learned in Hasidus, mitzvah means you become attached, togetherness. That means we're not dealing with an essential essence, we're dealing with an expressed holiness and an attachment and bond with God. Here you have someone who is a sinner, he's a sinner that again, he, he sinned and sinned and sinned, he didn't do tshuva after he got already so many signs. Yet, the fact that he chose to get married and is doing a mitzvah, his mitzvah is so, his or her mitzvah is so holy that it's pushing away the klippa. It's pushing away the tumah. The tumah cannot come. That, what did we say earlier? What's the exemption? The exemption of a chassan is much deeper than just postponement. You're not postponing. Postponing means essentially the tumah could be here. It's just that you don't want to deal with it. We're, we're, not, we're avoiding dealing with it. You're not, not avoiding dealing with it over here. It's not even coming in the first place. And why isn't it coming in the first place? Because a Jew is doing a mitzvah. And his mitzvah is not, is not allowing the tumah to come. And the greatness of this idea is because we know it does say in Shulchan Aruch, in Be'er Eitiv, not it's not just a Hasidic idea, but it says in in Shulchan Aruch, in Shulchan Aruch, in Hilchas Talmud Torah, in different places, this is discussed that a Russia, a wicked person, who's who's in the midst, who's holding on to his wickedness, when he does mitzvahs, he's drawing down divine energy, but he's feeding that energy to the klipa, he's feeling that feeding that energy that are forces of darkness, instead of bringing that down holiness to increase holiness in this world, he's actually, all that energy is going down the toilet. It's going to the forces of darkness. 
So one can argue, if that's the case of a mitzvah, during the time when the person has not done tshuva, so we would argue and say there's no value to the mitzvah. A Russia's mitzvah, does a Russia, a wicked person's mitzvah have value? From here we see, from the laws of Negayim, we see of course it has value. First of all, you see from the very halacha, if a Russia comes to, to, to Beisden, and he says to the Beisden, I have a shayla, a very good shayla. Yesterday I ate in, uh, in um, McDonald's. I had a Big Mac in McDonald's. Tomorrow I'm planning to go to Denny's and I'm going to eat another trefa sandwich. Do I have to put on tefillin today? Should I put on tefillin or not put on tefillin? I have time, I don't mind putting on tefillin. But I like eating not kosher and I plan on doing it. And therefore, should I put on tefillin? What was the basin? What is the rabbi going to tell him? No, don't put on tefillin. Of course, he's obligated to put on tefillin. He doesn't have air, he doesn't have air. What is doing? And even, it even goes so far, even if while he's wearing the tefillin, he'll eat the, 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 the chaz or chaz v'shalom or a horrible thing like that. Guess what? He's still obligated to wear the tefillin, to put on tefillin. That's an obligation. It doesn't change because you're doing an aver. But here in this halacha, you see it. His mitzvah is so powerful that what is it doing? It's not allowing. It exempts. Here the, the whole concept of this, of, this, of this halacha is emphasizing this idea. A, you're dealing with a person who's getting tzaras because he speaks Lashon Hara. And he's a guy who got lesson, got, got, got warning after warning, and he's still not doing tshuva. So he's a real sinner. Now he's doing a mitzvah and he's getting married. So we're telling this person that, well, okay, no, Kohen doesn't come. And how, what do we mean the Kohen doesn't come? Why doesn't the Kohen come? The Kohen doesn't come because today, the, today this person is not touchable. You can't touch him with this tumah, the tumah cannot take effect. Why? Again, you can't even, it's exempt from the whole concept of looking at it. Why? Because he's doing a mitzvah. That shows you the power of a mitzvah of every single Jew, even when a person is sinning. Each one of them is a different quality. In the first case, the quality is, there is a chiddush in the quality over there. That even when I'm not doing a mitzvah, even the personal, private, property, as we said before, your, your, your oatmeal bowl, your breakfast bowl, your food, your, your plow, whatever, uh, the, the small minor things from a Jew, even that is not associated with the mitzvah, because it's a Jew, God loves this person, and he delays the tumah from happening, because God doesn't want that to happen. Showing how far the Abishter's love is to a Jew, because he's a Jew, unrelated to mitzvah. The second emphasis is emphasizing how powerful and gaval and great is the mitzvah of a yid. That even when a person is a sinner, his mitzvah has such value and such power that it prevents the tumah from coming. This will be the argument between Rebbe and Rebbe Yehuda. Which one is a greater novelty? Which one is a bigger chiddush? Rebbe, who's the, who says we derive the law of a chasen 
of Hashem, uh, we say that we don't, we don't allow the chasen to be inspected for seven days until he finishes. It's derived from the case where we postpone because of a mitzvah. Says that the chiddush, the novelty, the greatness, the excitement of the idea that God loves a Jew so much, that a Jew is so precious, forget about mitzvah, that the Jew himself is so precious that even every, we don't want to harm him in any way. That overweighs the great novelty of the mitzvah of the Jew being so great. That's why Rebbe says that, that the quality of a yid being a yid is also the reason why a chassan is also delayed. Not because of the mitzvah. It's because we don't want to harm the chassan and the kala when they're getting married their own, because they're, 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 because they're Jewish. So in any way we can prevent any kind of a harm to them, any kind of sadness to them on a special occasion. It's not because of the mitzvah. According to Rebbe, one is derived from... The Rebbe says, if for a personal matter, for a mitzvah, for sure. But the idea over here is, it's the quality... What's at the root of it? It's the quality that they're a Jew that the Abishter is seeing. According to Rebbe Yehud, the Rebbe Yehud says, no, 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 I don't want to learn it out from there. Because I see there's even something, a greater novelty. There's even a greater chiddush. Not only is a Jew so holy because his pintalayid, his essence of his Jewish soul is untouchable and unbreakable, there's something else that is so special. Even a Jew who is sinning, when he chooses to do something good, do not ever say, you're a hypocrite, you're doing so and so, why are you doing so and so? That's not the way the Abishta looks at it. Did something wrong? Do something wrong. Do something good? It's infinitely precious. It is so strong. It is so powerful. It doesn't even allow the nega to come close to this person. At this time, he's totally exempted because of the mitzvah that he is doing. From here again, this is a whole, this is a whole mesechta. This is a whole entire teaching of Avas Yisrael, of the love that the Abishta has for every Jew. And how much it is incumbent upon us, first of all, to care about each other and to care not to harm each other even in the smallest, smallest, smallest minutia of, of life and how dear and precious it has to be to us even small things that, that, that of another person. That's number one it teaches us. It also teaches us never ever to, to dismiss a person based on most of his activities or most of his actions and say, what good does it have if this person puts on tefillin one time? Or what good does it have if they light Shabbos candles one time? They're anyways not religious. They're anyways non-observant. They're anyways Jews and they're deliberately doing so and so and they're so... It uh, doesn't make a difference. The mitzvah of a yid is infinitely precious. The yamtiv of this yid, yamtiv is a mitzvah, is infinitely holy notwithstanding the fact of, their, of them being wicked. Because the mitzvah does not get touched. And even though we did say earlier that temporarily it goes into the unholy side, so there too it says that why should I supposed to do a mitzvah even if it's feeding the unholy? Is because eventually they will do tshuva. And when they will do tshuva, all this godly light will come out from the klippah and will be forever, all eternity, here in the world to illuminate the world forever and ever. As a result of us seeing the good in other people, appreciating the, the, and, and loving each other, and appreciating the good that other people do, we will merit very, 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 very soon, Bekar of Mamish Mamish, to the third Beis Amigdash, in which we will experience the ultimate union and oneness of the Jewish people forever.
Oh, yo, 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 yo,